I do want you to find somebody you have not talked to. Somebody you have not talked to, but once you find that person and introduce yourself, then put up some of those uh, prayer topics right there, Caleb. I want you to just give a one-word prayer request. One-word prayer request to each other, and then you can pray out loud, or you can pray silently for each other, okay? So find somebody you have not talked to, give a one-word prayer request. Those are just examples and maybe something else. One-word prayer request and then spend a few moments praying for each other. Let's do that now. God, we thank you that we can present our requests to you and pray for one another. We thank you that you hear us when we pray. This is the day that you have made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And we're going to praise you with all that we have. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. You want to hear our prayers. You want to hear our songs of joy. You want to hear us praise you. And God, may we do that here this morning. With all of our hearts uniting together, we magnify and praise the name of Jesus because only you are worthy of worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated as we sing.
It's Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4, and it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was upon Jesus, upon him, that our sins were laid. And we thank him for it. Let's stand together.
none like you because of what you've done because of who you are we keep our eyes on you we set our hearts on you so that you can guide us into the way everlasting may Jesus be magnified here today as we center our minds attention and our hearts affection upon you in Jesus name you may be seated. Well, good morning to you all. And uh, I know that there might be a bit of an elephant in the room this morning, so we will go ahead and jump jump in and address that. Um, I sent, you received, should have received a letter from me or an email from Raymond this past week just stating of my uh, resignation from students of minister, student minister here at Westgate and that I'm stepping back from that position. And I want to be honest with you, it wasn't an easy decision to get to that point. And um, it's been something that I've wrestled with for a long time. It's not anything new. Um, maybe almost the past two years. It's something that has just been in me. And it's, I love ministry. I love the church. I've always loved to serve in the church. Even before I went in vocational ministry, it was something I did. I taught Sunday school. And you know, my grandfather was a pastor, as many of you know. My father served as a pastor. And so for me, with I, I kind of thought that my love for the church and serving, also my family business, was to be in ministry as well. And I've enjoyed the past five years. I really have being with the students, if you include my time as interim and the time that I've been full-time, but I just truly have sensed that maybe that's not where God wants me as in vocational ministry, but to serve just like you as a layperson in the church or as a member in the church and continue doing that. And so that's the direction that Heather and I are confident in going, and I will be stepping back. And um, I was an engineer and then went into ministry, and so I'm stepping back into being an engineer and have a position here at a local firm that I'll be starting soon and I just want you to know church of how grateful I am for you that y'all have supported me in my decision to go in and as I'm stepping out it's been nothing but grace from all of you I've gotten text and uh you know it's been a hard week for me it's uh, someone texted how is the week going and I was like well it's it's a tough week but a good week as well and I've gotten a lot of texts from all of you just supporting me and I want to thank you for that I mean Westgate is a great church we're not leaving the church we love the church we want to be members here and uh, continue to serve in whatever capacity that we see going forward. And with that said, however, I do think there's probably a few things that need to be cleared in the air. There's probably some questions going on in your mind right now that I feel like maybe I should address. So the first one, did the church vote have anything to do with your decision? No, not at all. My decision was long in uh, the making in my heart, long before this uh, conversation has come on the table about what we're going to do one or two services absolutely not and honestly I feel like there's nothing but good things that are happening from our conversations as a church we're being able to sit down and evaluate and we're not voting on whether we should go back to who we were as Westgate but who God wants us to be going forward and to be united and what we're going to be doing in the years to come and there's a lot of great things happening at this church I can say from being behind the scenes 
there's a lot of stuff that's taking place. There's families that have lost loved ones that are getting comforted in prayer, prayed for. There is kids that are going to children's camp that have received Christ over the summer. We've had godly newlyweds that we've united in marriage here at this church and sent them out to start a, a home that is founded in, on the Lord. We've had teenagers that are reaching out to teens in the community and building a bridge to them. We've supported people that are in need. There's ministry, or, uh, missionaries that are being supported by our church as we speak. There's a church plant that was meeting in this gym that is now moving to a new facility that we helped start. There's prisoners that are getting written to on a monthly basis. And I don't know about you, but when I look at what the church is in the Bible, that's the church. And those are things that are taking place every day here at Westgate. And I'm not making lightly of our decision about one or two services. I think that's a, a very important decision for us to discuss. But as a, a, a youth told me a great theolo theology statement, I guess, if you will, when we were at student camp, we were talking, having a Bible study, and they said, you know, a lot of times we miss the apple that's in the tree. And uh, I was kind of like, what does that mean? <laughs> but what he was saying was, we focus on all the things that we think are so important, and we miss the blessings that God is doing in our church at the moment. And there's a lot of great things happening at Westgate, and I, I want to celebrate that. So no, the church vote had nothing to do with that, and we're a great church that's continuing to support those that are in need and carrying out the ministry of the gospel. We're students. The second thing I bet some of the questions were, are students really that hard to be around? Well, have you hung out with teenagers? <laughs> no, they're, they're great. I mean, if you, if you don't count all the nights, uh, sleepless nights at camp, or the nights sleeping on the gym floor for hot hearts, uh, or listening to debates about LeBron James and Michael Jordan over and over and over again. No, our teenagers, it's been a wonderful past five years for us, and I got to spend some time with them this morning and just shared that with them, that Heather and I have really enjoyed being with them. And to be honest, we have teenagers that want to grow. We have teenagers that want to grow in Christ-likeness. And they have challenged me more than I've challenged them in the past five years. And just for some examples, like if I turn off the radio on, off of Christian music and put it on something else, I have to ask myself, would Ed Michelle be listening to this right now? Or is he going to be listening to worship music? And he's always listening to worship music. If I'm preparing for a Wednesday night gathering, I would ask myself, am I understanding this as deep as John Moses would? Most of the time that answer was no. He had a lot deeper questions that I could answer. Were my shoes cool enough for Bowman? Was my haircut good enough for Caleb? Is this game hard enough for Brooke to compete in? <laughs> Am I being as faithful as MK or hardworking as Isaac? I mean, the list could go on. Parents, I could tell you, sit down with each one of your kids and tell you how awesome they are. And I, I want to affirm them, and I want to affirm you as parents. You've done a wonderful job, and you're raising men and women that love the Lord. And I also want to just encourage you that there's going to be a transition in a youth pastor, but I want to remind you that it is not the youth pastor's job to help your kids grow in their faith. That is a calling that God has put on you as a parent. And you are answering that call, but I just want to encourage you to keep doing that. So, no, the youth have been great. Uh, the person that steps in is going to have a fun time hanging out with them. The third thing that I bet is on your mind, Raymond is not here, and you're speaking. So did y'all have a big fallout? <laughs> no, we did not. There is no one that I respect more than Raymond as a pastor. He has been a great mentor to me. 
he has sat down and done studies with me in books, and he really wanted me to, to step in and, and be a pastor somewhere one day, and he groomed me for that. And, but, and so he has mentored me, and I'm very thankful for him. And it, more than anything on this staff, he's been my pastor. He wasn't just a boss. He was someone that cared for my family, and we have a wonderful relationship. He would actually have a fallout for, with Michelle if he wasn't in D.C. for his granddaughter's first birthday. So he's where he needs to be. And uh, this, we're just carrying out a schedule that was in motion a long time ago. He knew he was going to be out, and I was going to be speaking. And it just happened that uh, the, the news that I was resigning, and God brought us to John chapter 14, where I want to turn our attention to verse 15 through 25, where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit guides us in our life. And so as we look at this passage, I want to just... Uh, share some of my story, but not for you to think about me, not to keep putting focus on me. Uh, I don't really like that, but I want you to be thinking about in your life, there's probably some decisions that you're having to make. We all come to a point in life where we have to make some difficult decisions, or maybe you're facing a difficult time. And I just want to share my story and how I feel the Spirit's worked And as we look at this, and I want you to be thinking about your life, and what is the Spirit leading you to do in your life? And so let's jump in, John 14. We're going to pick up in verse 15 through 17. And it says, If you love me, Jesus is speaking to the disciples here, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So the helper that Jesus is talking about here is the Holy Spirit. And if we were to look at the root word in the Greek, we would find that that the, the helper has an idea This word has an idea of advising, of exhorting, of comforting, of strengthening, interceding, and encouraging. So in other words, this is like a defense attorney. Like if you're on trial, you're going through trials, you're going through a hard time, you have a defense attorney that is there with you every step of the way. That is what Jesus is describing the helper as. Someone that is with you every single step of the way, guiding you, helping you, advising you teaching you, strengthening you when you're needing it, and encouraging you. There's also another key word that I want to see in verse, uh, these verses as he's describing the helper. Jesus uses the word another. There is another helper. And so what he is saying there is there is another of like kind. So in other words, there is a helper that is just like me that is going to come and is going to help you and is going to be with you. And he would expound on that in verse 18 if we were to go down just another verse where he says, I will not leave you as orphans. It was very comforting for the disciples to hear. It's very comforting for us today. Jesus was saying, I won't leave you as orphans. And what he means by that is, I'm sending a helper that will be with you forever. And so as we move through this, there's four things this morning that I want us to see, to understand about the Holy Spirit. There's four things that I want us to discuss and the first one you see it on the screen is the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's John 14, 17. Now this idea of the Spirit isn't new only in the New Testament. Actually, if you go to the Old Testament, you see the Spirit at work. You would see verses where it talks about the Spirit of the Lord was on this person. Maybe they were going into battle, or maybe it was a, a prophet, or something like that, and the Spirit of the Lord would come on them. But this coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament that Jesus is explaining is different than what we see in the Old Testament for two reasons. 
First, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on a believer is permanent. We see Jesus said, I will be with you forever. It doesn't come and go. But it is there always. No matter what you're facing, no matter where you are, that when the Holy Spirit comes on a believer, it is there permanently. There with him forever. That's pretty cool to think about. And the second way that this is different is that every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them. It's not just Pastor Raymond. It's not just Jeff or Jana or Warren or the deacon body. It's not just Bible study teachers. But every single believer, no matter who you are, if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, has the Holy Spirit living in them. That is one of the benefits and one of the joys of salvation. But I think a question we have is how can we know or how can we be aware of the Spirit? How, how do we know? I mean, we understand it's living in us, but how can we be aware of it working in our lives? Well, let's just look at a couple of examples. If you're a believer, we see in these verses the Spirit lives in you. And say you're at work and something isn't sitting right with you. Maybe something immoral happens that you don't really agree with. Or your boss asks you to do something that is outside of your values of what you think is right. And it doesn't just sit right with you. Now, we say that a lot. I don't know. You hear some news or something, you're like, that just doesn't sit well with me. There's probably a pretty good chance in that moment that the Spirit is there living within you, advising you and teaching you and showing you that, hey, in this situation, that's not a moral thing for you to do. It doesn't line up with your values. It doesn't line up with Christ's teaching or with Scripture. And so in that moment, the Spirit is living in you and guiding you. Maybe you have a conversation with someone, maybe just earlier in the service, that we met people and we asked a quick prayer request from them. You know someone's going through a hard time, and later on down the week, a few days later, you're walking through the aisle of the grocery store for no reason why. You're looking at flour, but all of a sudden their name pops in your mind. Or you're pulling into the parking lot somewhere, or you're sitting at your desk at work, or hanging out with grandkids, or whatever it is, and that person's name comes in your mind. That's the Spirit working in your life, bringing them to the forefront of your mind, reminding you that, hey, you're supposed to carry the burdens of one another. It's the Spirit working in you. Or maybe you have a lot going on. There's things that are happening in your life, and you're anxious. You're worrying. You're becoming overwhelmed or stressed out. So you do what you think you're supposed to, you stop and you pray or you put on some worship music and peace comes over you. That's the Holy Spirit in the believer's life comforting them in a hard, difficult time. And so when we have these feelings inside of us sometimes as believers, we need to know that that is the Spirit that is with us. And so in my story, getting to this decision, as I shared earlier, I had an unsettled restlessness that was in me in my time serving in vocational ministry. I enjoyed it, loved hanging out with the kids, loved teaching them and leading them, loved being part of the staff, but I was not convinced that that's where I was supposed to be. And so through time, I became confident that that was the spirit in me as a believer directing me in my path in life. And we can rejoice, we can know that we're not left as orphans. We don't have to figure everything out on our own, but instead we have another helper that is there with us and he lives within us. The second thing that I want us to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit allows us to be surrounded by God. 
Holy Spirit allows us to be surrounded by God. If we were to look at verse 20 in John chapter 14, we would see that it says, in that day, Jesus is speaking again, in that day. Now, Jesus, the day that Jesus is talking about is the day that he would, he would be resurrected and the disciples would see him, but he would also ascend into heaven, and in that moment, that's when the Holy Spirit would come. And so Jesus is talking about the day whenever you see me after the resurrection, I ascend and the Holy Spirit comes and lives with believers. And he says, in that day, you will know that I am in, the, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, there's a lot of people that are in people there, right? And so let's think about that. We have a saying that we say a lot whenever we're facing difficult times. And that saying is, circle the wagons. And if you grew up and you watch as many westerns as I did in my household with my dad, whether you're John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, I don't know. But you've seen this scene play out on the TV. You've got some weary travelers that are trying to get to a new town. And they're going on this long path, and there's tumbleweed that's blowing in front of them. And on the left side, there's plains and sagebrush. And on the right, there's these mountain peaks. And they're just trying to make it to the next town. And all of a sudden, bad guys begin to attack them. And what do they yell? Circle the wagons. And they circle the wagons, and they fight their battle from inside the circle, in the center. And these verses are telling us, and they remind us that the whole, with the Holy Spirit, we have the wagons of the Trinity that are surrounding us. We have all of the Godheads circling. Corey ten Bloom was a Dutch Christian who was in prison for rescuing Jews from Nazis. And they were asked of being in prison, how they felt about that. And they said the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And that's a powerful statement, but a lot of us would ask, what does it look like to be in the center of God's will? What is that like? Well, if we were to go down one more verse in verse 21, we can get an idea of what it looks like to be in the center of God's will, where Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. See, being in the center of God's will requires being obedient to the Lord. God cares more about our character than our career. God cares more about who you are than what you do. And your calling in life won't be found until you're, you're obedient to the one who called you. That's where it begins. The measure of one's love and faith is that of which we keep Christ's commands, of which we're obedient to him. 1 Thess Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. The author of that book is writing and talking about God's will, and those verses are explaining God's will. And it says, the will of God is your sanctification. In other words, your growth spiritually. That's the will of God. To abstain from sexual immorality. To control your body in holiness. Do not wrong your brother or sister, for God has not called you to impurity, but to holiness. See, pursuing holiness, pursuing God through obedience and through love, that is his will for our life. That is where he wants us. And when we do that, we will find ourselves in the center of God's will. And then he will begin to direct and guide our paths from there. And so in my story, making this decision, I feel that I'm being obedient. And I feel that I'm loving God by going back into the marketplace. Just like you, I can go there. I can work hard. I can serve him in that facet. I can minister to people there. And though that I'm, I'm not on staff, that doesn't uh, mean that my ministry is over. Those that are called in vocational ministry have a high calling. They do, and we should support them, and we should love them and pray for them. 
But just because I'm on staff doesn't mean that my ministry is done. It's not stopping. And the same goes for you. You have a ministry, and that ministry is called life. And through obedience, you can find yourself in the center of God's will, surrounded completely by Him. The third thing that Jesus points out about the Holy Spirit in this verse is that the Holy Spirit teaches us truths about God. The Holy Spirit teaches us truths about God. Let's look at verse 26. It says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now this verse, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and so at that time, Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he is going to help you remember all of my teaching. And that was necessary because some of the disciples were going to be writing the New Testament. So Jesus was saying, when you sit down to write the New Testament for believers that are to come, to write the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit will help you remember the things that happened. And also he was saying that whenever you go, like we'll see in Acts, Whenever you go and start witnessing to the world and start growing the local church and the church, the body of believers throughout the world, that I will teach you, the Holy Spirit will teach you and help you be able to accomplish those tasks. And Peter expounded on this idea in his letter when he says that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone, someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit would help the disciples then, but it also helps believers now remember truths that God teaches us through his word. One of the things that I really wrestled with during this time and during this decision over these last uh, several, several months was that God would not love me if I left vocational ministry. That was something that I have wrestled with for a long time. And I was trying to get this decision right because I felt like if I got it wrong, then I would never experience God's love. And I remember talking to my dad about this decision. Parents, you know how this goes. Kids ask for your decision, but, or ask for your opinions, but you're not really sure they're listening to it. <laughs> but we ask anyway. But I, went, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what do you think? And he just said, son, you are my son, and I will love you whatever you decide. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit, as soon as my dad said that, he doesn't even know, but the Holy Spirit used those words from my father to remind me of the love that my Heavenly Father has for me. No matter where you are, you are my son, and I will love you. So verse 21 also says, the second half of that verse, he, Jesus says, He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. I will show myself. I will reveal myself to him. Through this process, the Spirit reminded me that I can rest in God's love for me. So I want to ask you, what truths are the Holy Spirit trying to remind you of? Is it God's love? Like it was in my case, is it God is the provider? That he will provide your needs? Is it God's patience? Is it God's forgiveness? Is it even God's discipline through his love for you? We can rejoice that we're not left in the dark 
but our helper teaches us and reminds us of God's truths that we so often forget. And the last thing that I want us to see, the fourth thing that Jesus is telling us about the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit gives us peace. The Holy Spirit gives us peace. Let's look at verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. One of the hardest things that I have had to do in my work life was a week and a half ago, walk into Raymond's office on a Thursday evening and share him my decision of the direction that I was headed. Because Raymond, was, as I mentioned, was someone that I respect, the staff, Jeff, Jana, and Warren. I respect them so much and, and think so much of, of them, and they have done so much for me and my family and my life, and I respect them. And so it was a dreaded conversation. And I'm going to be honest. When I walked out of there, there wasn't a lot of peace. Not because of anything Raymond said, because he was very gracious with me. But I was thinking that a weight would be lifted off of my shoulders. But as over time, as I've kept walking down this road, the Spirit has given Heather and I peace in our decisions. And we can rest that the Holy Spirit gives us peace. And when we decide to follow the Spirit in our lives, God lead God's lead in our lives, that doesn't mean that we won't be afraid. It doesn't mean that we won't have some second guesses. That there won't be some uncertainty in your life when you're trying to follow what God wants for you. You know, we see in the Bible, and actually Jesus would just say in a few verses, after this, he would say, don't let your heart be troubled, do not be afraid. And so we kind of wrestle, well, how do we have fears if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is telling us not to be afraid? Well, I think if we were never afraid, why would we need to trust in God? If we could walk through everything in our life on our own, why do we need the helper and the spirit? When the Bible is talking about fear and being afraid, it's talking about being a coward. Shying away from your faith. Or you're so afraid of taking this next step that you don't do it. And we're going to have those types of feelings in our life sometimes, but those experiential feelings shouldn't keep us from moving forward in a direction that we feel the Spirit is leading us. Because we have a helper that will comfort, encourage, and guide. And through that helper, Jesus gives us peace. So you've heard my story. What does it mean for you? Like I said earlier, I would be willing to bet that there's someone in this room. We all face decisions in life. They come up. And there's someone in this room that could possibly be facing some same type of decision. And I never thought that I would use Jeff Foxworthy as an illustration in a sermon. But I recently discovered something about Jeff Foxworthy that I thought was pretty interesting. He is very involved in the Atlanta mission. And for over a decade, every Tuesday morning, he shows up and he leads a guy's Bible study. And you can find him at Chick-fil-A if you ever want his autograph. Apparently he's at the Chick-fil-A, the original one in Atlanta, before 6 a.m., before they're open, so he can get Chick-fil-A and bring them to his Bible study on Tuesday morning. But I was listening to Jeff Foxworthy's testimony. I thought, that's pretty cool. I never thought, you know, someone like that would take the time to do that. And he summed his testimony up with two things. The first statement he said that caught my attention was, you're not living if you never have a hold-your-nose-and-jump-in kind of moment. And the second thing that he summed up him serving in that, uh, at the mission, he said, just say Yes. That simple. 
And so maybe some decisions you're faced with are, maybe it's about a career. Whether you should retire yet, not yet, maybe you should, whether you should change a job, or maybe it's where to serve in the church. I will tell you one of the greatest things you can do for our staff is to just walk up to them and say, I want to serve in your ministry, how can I do that? be the best thing that you could do. Don't sit around and wait for them to come to you. There's a lot of things that are going on in their, in their day-to-day job. But maybe it's you're wrestling or feeling like you should serve somewhere. Maybe it's step up and teach or be involved in a certain ministry. Maybe it's joining the church. That's a decision you're wrestling with. We're coming out of a summer study that was great that I am a church member, and maybe you've been on the fence for a long time. Maybe it's time to just hold your nose and jump in. Westgate's a great place to be a part of. It's a great staff to have serve you, and I don't get paid to say that anymore, so I can say that. <laughs> we wouldn't rather be anywhere else as far as the church goes. Maybe that's a decision that you're wrestling with. And I just want to say, just like Foxworthy said, you have to hold your nose and jump. And sometimes you just have to say yes, because you have a helper that's walking along with you. And maybe you don't have a decision, but you're just facing difficult times. Maybe you feel like no one understands you, or maybe you feel all alone. Well, I want to remind you, these verses show us that you're never alone, ever, no matter where you find yourself. At work, in a hospital, at home, away from kids, whatever that looks like, you're never alone. You have a helper that is right there with you every step of the way. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that just for who you are, Father, that you care for us, you love us, you provide a helper because we need it. Someone that's going to be there with us every step, that's going to encourage us and be with us, God. And we just thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, that you didn't leave us in our sin, you sent a redeemer for us to die on the cross for us, that it rose again on the third great day, your son Jesus, that saved us from all of our sins. And Father, after that, you didn't leave us to figure everything out, but you sent your spirit to live within us. And I just pray, Lord, whatever decisions are deemed to be made, whatever difficult circumstances we're facing in this church, God, that we would be aware of your spirit in our life and how much you care for us and love us and how you're there guiding us and directing us. Love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.
seat. You're like, great. thought we were done. Just about. And so, but uh, if you're a guest here with us today, we want to say welcome to you. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship uh, this morning here at Westgate Memorial. If you are a guest with us, you can let us know about your presence by texting the word Westgate uh, to 94,000. Uh, you can also give online through that, or if you have a prayer request, uh, text Westgate to 94,000. Uh, it'll give you the options uh, there, and uh, you can touch base with us uh, as uh, a staff. But we are so glad that, uh, that you're here with us uh, this morning. Several things I need to share with you uh, this morning. Uh, one, many of you uh, know David Cross. Uh, David uh, Cross was a, a member. Uh, he and his family were members here uh, at Westgate uh, for many years. And uh, David is coming upon, upon retirement uh, from Baptist Hospital, 40 years of service uh, there. 
And uh, Raymond is uh, leading out in an effort, reaching out. We're reaching out to all of the Southern Baptist churches in the Golden Triangle uh, to take up a love offering uh, for uh, David. I'm sure Baptist Hospital is going to do something for him. But David has ministered not just to the hospital and to those patients, but he's ministered to churches all across uh, the Golden Triangle. And uh, so we're going to be uh, taking up a love offering uh, as Westgate uh, as well. And uh, you can submit that. Just uh, place David Cross's name uh, on, uh, on the gift. And uh, so we want, to, we want to send David out uh, in, uh, in the right way. And, uh, and so uh, that will be coming up uh, later this year when he retires. But that's something that we want to participate in uh, as uh, a church. Uh, also, uh, if you remember, uh, last Sunday, uh, Raymond let us know about First Baptist Church of Lake Charles uh, and the dire straits uh, that that church uh, is in. Hey, Jason Burden, how are you, sir? And, uh, and so Jason Burden, uh, pastor of First Baptist Church in Needleton, is joining us this morning. Must be on vacation. All right, great to have you with us. Uh, and so, but anyway, uh, First Baptist Church of Lake Charles uh, is in dire straits, and so we're going to be reaching out to them. Uh, we're going to be taking a small contingent over there uh, on August 29th uh, to worship with them, uh, to see what their needs are and how we uh, can meet that. If you would like to be a part of that group, you can contact the church office. It can't be a really large group because where they're currently meeting is not uh, very large, uh, and so, but we want to take a group of people over there and let them know that, hey, they're not alone, and uh, there's somebody uh, that's, uh, that uh, realizes uh, the situation uh, that they're in and uh, that we can come alongside of them and partner uh, with them and be a part of that. So that will be coming up on August uh, the 29th. And then don't forget, next Sunday, uh, we will be voting during the morning worship service uh, of whether or not we will uh, be doing one service or whether we'll be doing two services. Uh, and so uh, it'll just be the vote. Discussion uh, has come and gone. And, uh, and so there will be a place on your ballot where you can share any last-minute comments that you would like uh, to share. Uh, but that vote will take, next, uh, will take place next Sunday morning uh, during uh, the worship service. Uh, and then also, don't forget, we're taking pictures right after the service. Uh, you can take pictures there, there, or right over here. And uh, so uh, if you didn't get your picture taken uh, last Sunday, make sure that you get that done uh, today, or we'll be, we'll be doing that uh, the rest of uh, the month. Uh, so I think that, uh, that gets through all of that. Lane, come on back up here. Heather, where are you? Is Heather here? Yeah. Heather, <laughs> Macy, won't you come on up with them as well? And uh, I'm going to invite Jason Glasson uh, to come. And uh, we're going to close our service this morning by having a prayer uh, for Lane and for Heather uh, and for what God has in store for them in the days ahead, uh, but also for the transition that will take place here uh, at Westgate and as we begin uh, the process uh, of... Uh, uh, looking for uh, a replacement, and uh, and so uh, and just that the as Lane preached this morning that, that the Holy Spirit will uh, will lead us in this. We know that He will, uh, and that God uh, that God has great things in store 
not only for Westgate, uh, but for Heather uh, and Lane as well. So join us as we close this morning as we pray for this family. Please pray with me. Father God, we just want to lift up Lane and Heather to you right now. Just thank you for everything that they've done for this church, the youth for this church. Thank you, Lord, for Lane and his personal friendship to me, all that he's taught me throughout the years. Lord, I just thank you and praise your name that no matter what the situation, he made sure that your word was taught to those kids. And I just praise you for that. Lord, we are not defined by our occupation. Lane is not defined by his occupation. He's defined by who he is in Christ. And I just ask that you would go with him, he and Heather both, as they enter this next journey and chapter of their lives into a mission field, Lord, that is probably more ripe and ready for harvest than any, and that's the workplace. And I just ask that you would give him courage and boldness and strength to live a life that honors and glorifies you. Father God, I, you know, as Raymond always says, Lord, you go before us, and we thank you for that. And you have already gone before us right now. You know who the next leader is for this position. Lord, you know when that will happen and what that will look like. And we just give that 100% to you. We just pray that you would guide and direct us as a staff and a church to be right in the center of your will. And we pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.